Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome in episode three of the Portland Winterhawks podcast. I'm your host, Andy Dur Johnson. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. We got some really fun stuff planned for you. Got some new twists, and we'll uh, reveal those coming up at the end of the podcast. Also, remind you that 11 straight home games for the Portland Winterhawks are coming up here on the horizon. So that is all still to come. The interviews this week, I can't wait for both of them. Uh, Nick Merrick, as he does on every podcast, we'll sit down. We'll talk about the road trip, some of the fun stuff that happened, the team bonding activities, the way that the team has played. So we'll get to Nick Merrick here in a moment. We'll start with Kyle Gustafson, a longtime assistant coach in Portland. He's now a part of the Vancouver Canucks staff with another former Winterhawk and Travis Green. And uh, he's been a good friend for a long time. Excited for that conversation, and I think uh, that you will enjoy it. Let's try and recap as much as we can before we get to those. Everything that has gone on since the last time we talked, and boy, this team has been busy, both at the WHL level and at the NHL level. A couple of the big highlights in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Jaden DeRoe is officially back, ladies and gentlemen. The Hawks' leading scorer last year, one of those dominoes that Mike Johnston and his staff was waiting on. They finally got the news that he was coming back, and he rejoined them on at the tail end of that, that road trip that they've been on and played in the last two games. He got an assist in his first game at eight shots on goal in their last loss on the road in Vancouver. So it's absolutely great to have him back. We'll talk with Nick Merrick a little bit later on about the implications of that because for those of you that know limitations on the number of 20 year olds you can have on a roster and it becomes a really tough decision for an organization about what do you do and how do you handle that because there are already three 20 year olds on the roster for Portland so we'll get to we'll talk with Nick in a bit about that but great news for Portland a welcome site an offense that has struggled early on in the season gets their top score from last year back great news for Portland and the other main highlight has to be what has happened at the National Hockey League level so you look at Two different guys in the last two weeks making their debuts, and both of them were amazing. Let's start with Seth Jarvis in Carolina. He gets the call, first NHL game. They send him out there. He gets the loner lap. I wanted to play this for you. It was a great clip. You probably saw it on the Winterhawk social media channel. But the Bally Sports Canes group had a chance to meet up with his parents and his brother in the stands as they're watching You know, Seth play, having this dream, lifelong dream realized. Here is the conversation that took place. I really enjoyed it. his 
first call was obviously to you guys when the phone was ringing. Did you know what was coming yesterday? Didn't know at all. We were we were so thrilled and so excited for him. He's put a lot of work into it, and it's just great to see him live his dream. All right, Caden, I know you are very proud of your brother. You wanted to book a flight when he made the roster. The anticipation leading up, what's that been like for you? It's been killing me. I've been getting COVID tested every couple days, just so I'm ready to come down when he got the call. So when he called and said he was playing, I was on the next flight out. And you were out here for that loner lap. What did that moment feel like to you? I had tears in my eyes. That's what he's been working for his whole life. So to witness that was, was something awesome. How cool is that, man? What an awesome moment for them as a family. All the hard work that has paid off. I know Hawk fans eventually want to see him back in a Winterhawks jersey. We'll talk with Nick about that and the number of games that he can play and all that. Uh, a couple of nights later, he's on the road in Chicago. Not only do you get the milestone of playing your first career NHL game, but how about the milestone of your first NHL goal? Here's how it sounded. Don't shot. Deflects into the corner. Carolina will escape Jarvis. He's got a break on a step. Jarvis in on flurry. Jarvis loses it and to score. Jarvis loses the handle, but it gets through flurry. Welcome to the National. His first NHL goal for Seth Jarvis. The first, I'm sure, of what will be many. A hearty congratulations to Seth. What a great moment. I know Hawk fans everywhere enjoyed watching that one. And now our countdown continues of how many more games will he play at the NHL level. And will we see him back in a Winterhawks jersey? Again, we'll have more with Nick Merrick a little bit later on in the podcast about that and what it might look like. Not to be outdone, though, uh, Joel Holfer also made his NHL debut. So the, the Blues starting goaltender uh, had to be placed on COVID, the, 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 the non-roster COVID, COVID list, and so they had to make a call to their top goaltender. Uh, and Hofer was playing for the Springfield Thunderbirds, their AHL affiliate. And four starts in the AHL. Get these numbers for the Thunderbirds. He was three zero and one with a one seven four goals against average, a ninety three percent save percentage. So he was playing great. He got the call, and boy did it go well. Not only did he win his NHL debut, he also picked up his first NHL assist in that start, and he became the first Blues goalie in nineteen years to earn a win in his NHL debut. You got to go all the way back to 2002 and he became the first NHL goalie with an assist in his debut since 2005. He was obviously such a great goaltender for Portland in 2019-2020. Helped him to the Scotty Monroe Championship. He boasted that 42-16, and 3-2 all-time record. He was amazing. Six shutouts in his career in Portland. And he also led Canada, remember, to that gold medal in the 2020 World Junior Championships. And, and just to speak of the history of this organization and all the great players that they've put in to the National Hockey League, he became the 131st Winterhawk to play a game in the NHL. So great history there. And congratulations to Seth Jarvis making his debut, scoring his first goal. Joe Holfer getting that first start, getting the assists. What a great moment that neither of those guys uh, will forget for the rest of their lives. And that, folks, is the perfect segue to the first interview here of Episode 3 of the podcast. My good friend and longtime assistant head coach of the Portland Winterhawks, Kyle Gustafson, another guy who made that jump from the WHL level to the NHL level. He was with Portland forever and got that call this offseason to join Travis Green up in Vancouver. I hope you enjoy this combo. They're in Vegas getting ready to take on the Golden Knights this weekend. And we caught up and talked about his time in Portland, what it's like in the NHL, all the great guys that he's running into on a regular basis. Here is Kyle Gustafson, longtime assistant coach for the Winterhawks and current assistant for the Vancouver Canucks. All right, joining me now here, episode three of the Portland Winterhawks podcast. Uh, my good buddy, a longtime Winterhawks assistant coach and current assistant for the Vancouver Canucks in the NHL. Kyle Gustafson, he's, he's on to, to, to bigger things 
in Vancouver. What's happening, buddy? You're in Vegas. How are things going, man? Things are good, Dirt. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, been a nice little, nice little run here. It seems like uh, there's a lot of games at the NHL level. Uh, mm-hmm. Not a lot of time off, but uh, as you mentioned, we're in Vegas and things are good. It's nice to chase the sunshine a little bit and uh, <laughs> have a game tomorrow night, and then and then over to Anaheim for for another game on on Saturday. So. Can't go wrong. Well, you get a little bit of sunshine. That's good. In Vegas, Anaheim should be decent weather for you before you got to head back up to Vancouver. You know, I just, I, I want to start with you, man. You were with Portland for so long. You know, you started in 2003. I think the, the backstory is amazing for some that, that might not know it. Like, you're a, you're a Portland native uh, from the area. Like, how, how did hockey become your thing? How did you get involved with the Winterhawks? Because it's a pretty cool story to go from that spot to now being an assistant coach in the National Hockey League. Well, I, just being born and raised from Portland, um, I just remember going to games. It was uh, my family would take my brother and I to games, and that's that's how we got involved. We were, you know, we we're young kids going to games, looking up to the Winterhawks. Uh, had a family history in, of, of hockey. My dad was a hockey player, later on a coach, and then took over the youth program in Portland. And um, yeah, so just going to games, being a fan, wanting to do this for a career. Mm-hmm. Eventually, played youth hockey, and then. Um, you know, I, I knew there was a bit of a crossroad where if I wanted to stay involved in the sport, it probably wasn't going to be as a player. And uh, I got into coaching right away. and I uh, was coaching a team down in Eugene, Oregon. It was a junior B, B, B team. And the, the level of play wasn't spectacular, but it was a great, <laughs> great experience. And mm-hmm. I guess from there it was, you know, through connections and, and asking a lot of questions. And uh, in a roundabout way, I was with the Winterhawks and um, enjoyed 18 years with the team and like to say, I kind of took a step over over the time and the years that I was in Portland, and it was a. Uh, I remember my first year as, as an assistant coach. I was selling tickets on the side, and sponsorship <laughs> on the side, just to, to make a dollar or two, and um, had to had to earn my way. And um, yeah, so it, 18 years, and uh, in the end of it, I was assistant uh, general manager and associate coach. So uh, a lot of great years in Portland. Well, it's 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 an incredible story. I mean, to start from that point in 2003, be all the way there through. You know, obviously this last year, the COVID shortened year, and the the way that you grew and and the the, the way that the role expanded for you. I I think it's an amazing story. And then you, I mean, you mentioned the ties to Portland, your family being here, and all that stuff. You, you get a call from the Vancouver Canucks, and I'm just curious. You know what? I'm sure other organizations, whether they be WHL or other leagues have reached out to you in the past and that that's got to be tough to kind of get pulled away from home and, and to venture out into something new of course the dream to always get to the NHL but what was it about this opportunity with Vancouver that kind of stood out to you that said you know th- this is the time that I'm, I want to kind of test myself at the next level yeah I, you know and I was real spoiled to be you know from Portland and being uh, in the Western Hockey League I mean what a great league to to get involved with in, in 18 years and you know it was it wasn't an easy decision. A lot of people say, well, it's the NHL and, and, you know, you've got to make the jump, but Portland was home and I had a lot of great, uh, great, you know, friends and family in Portland, the organization's first class, as we all know, we had a great success and met a lot of great people through the organization. Mike is a mentor to me to this day is a, is a great friend and a mentor and Mm -hmm. still stay in touch with him. And um, so I I was so comfortable in Portland that um, it, it wasn't an easy decision. Now, I believe that if you're going to make a jump at, at times, it's going to be an uncomfortable jump and you've got to dive in. And, and if you're going to advance your career, some, some things aren't going to be comfortable. And um, I think what tied me to this, this connection in Vancouver was Travis Green. And Travis was assistant coach with the Winterhawks and we stayed in touch and would talk all the time. And 
there was there was an opportunity, and he, he, he gave me a call with a opening on his staff, and uh, I guess the rest is history. Yeah, you took you took it and you ran with it, and and how, how has it gone so far? I mean, I imagine you mentioned you got to kind of dive in, and it's just so new. You're so used to a certain role and a certain league and all that, and just uh, you know, it's still the same sport. We understand that going from the the WHL to the NHL, but what have been the biggest adjustments and the biggest I don't know things that have caught you off guard from going from you know coaching you know at, at the WHL level to the NHL level? You're you're absolutely right. I mean, a lot of this uh, a lot of this move is just the move itself. Uh, you're you're changing countries. Um, you know, I haven't had to move from home for to advance my career or, or look at another job. Um, so just just the uh, the details that go into you know immigration and setting up bank accounts and <laughs> right, all the rest of it. Right. I mean, that stuff's been a challenge. But you know, in, in terms of of what it's like at the NHL level, it's you're, you're absolutely right. It's still the same sport. A lot of the stuff that we talk about in Portland applies to, to this level and our team in Vancouver. And, um, at the end of the day, the, the players want to, they want to get coached and, you know, it's your obligation to make them better. I would say the biggest adjustment up here is in, in Portland, it's, it's strictly development. There's, there's practice time. There's, uh, you know, vi- extended video sessions. There might be a week before your next game. Uh, here it seems like there's games. It's it's constant yeah. game action, and and you know you you have to do it whatever you can to to succeed, and and you have to you know get the players better along the way. But there's just not a lot of time to practice, and so you're 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 dealing with multi-million dollar athletes and trying to get their bodies and them they're mentally prepared for the next game. Where in Portland there's a lot of teaching that goes along the way, and. I'm not to say that up here in the National Hockey League, there's, there's, there's no teaching, but there's just not a lot of time to. That's a crazy point that when you think about it. I know I've heard the Blazers point that out in years past where they want to like implement something new, and then the coaching staff will say, well, we haven't had a chance to practice in three weeks, so we haven't been able to put it in. And, and you're pointing that out. I mean, you guys are in Denver last night, and now you're on the road. You get a day off where you're banged up. You get in late, right? And then tomorrow night you got a game, and then you got another game. It's just the way it all kind of comes together. How, how difficult does that make your job as a coach when you're just – a lot of it has to be probably going through stuff, you know, just in conversations or film study as opposed – to being able to get on the ice and actually work on things that's right um and then when you're on the ice it's you know it's a short session it's it might be 20 30 minutes whereas in portland it's you know you're you're looking at an hour or whatever it might be but no you're 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 right there's a lot of there's a lot of details that go into it we you know unfortunately we kind of took one on the chin last night in, in denver and um you know the avalanche have a spectacular team and you know they're they're a team that's trying to make a run to to win the stanley cup and have a lot of experience and and now that uh, we've moved on past it, we're we're looking looking forward to playing Vegas. But at the same time, we got to get our our game on track. So whether it's pre scouting the opponent or taking a look at your your own team itself and making sure that you that we're playing better, and, and then you don't have a lot of time to correct it. Like I said, you got to get yeah. back on the saddle. And it's such a competitive league that every point matters. Whether and one and the other thing I learned about this league, it's such a tight league. Like you look at so many overtimes or shootout wins, or you know every point is so important to get. So. Yeah, it's a real, a real thin margin, I'd imagine, between the teams that are going to be in the postseason at the end of the year and that aren't. You could look back to probably some of those close losses that keep you out. You know, we, I was highlighting earlier on the podcast the the success that we've seen here in the last couple of weeks from a couple of guys making their debut. Seeing Jarvis score his first goal and make his debut was so cool. Joel Holfer gets his first start in net, gets called up. He has an assist and a win in his first first NHL goaltender in his debut to do that in like you know, almost 20 years. How has it been for you? I mean, I imagine you're running into Hawks all the time. There's so many guys in the 
the league all over the place, and you're getting to run in, run into some of these guys where in the past, obviously, they go on to the next level, and you maybe stay in touch on the phone. How fun has that been, and who have you run into so far this year? Yeah, that part's been been amazing. It's <clears throat> The Winterhawks have such a great fraternity of players and staff around the league. It's, it seems like every every city you go to, you're, you're running into someone that has connections to Portland. For example, Nolan Pratt last night with the Avalanche assistant coach played in Portland, you know, in the, in the late nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, in terms of some of the players I have, it's, it's been a steady run of seeing, you know, Seth and Caleb Jones in Chicago one night, or you know, next night you see Yokoharu in Buffalo. Um, it was really cool to see Matt Dumba and warm up the, the other night and kind of gave me a congratulations. I thought that was something that I'll never forget. Seeing Ryan Johansson, he sends over a stick uh, autographed and said, welcome to the NHL. That's awesome. Just, it, it's just really, really cool. And then not to mention, you know, every day with Travis, it seems like we're talking about, hey, do you remember this in, you know, 2014 when, or 2013 when this happened? And and then the other thing, too, was uh, we had an off night in Vancouver. My family was in town, and we went down to see Portland play the Giants uh, last weekend. So just to connect again with the, the players we worked with last year, and Mike and Don and the staff there, Richie, yeah. um, you know, we, we talk all the time. And, um, you know, you never lose sight of what's going on in Portland or the connections. Or um, Like I said, it's such a special staff that the, they have there. The ownership's phenomenal. And, and now it's uh, you, you're proud to be a Winterhawk where at whatever stage you're you're at in your career. Right. It's so cool to hear those stories about running into guys and then getting the chance to go watch them. And, and it was a tough loss, but they played great that night. One of those games where you just run into a hot goaltender and and you can't quite find the back of the net. Now I gotta ask, you're up in Vancouver, so I you know not like Portland was great in the winter, but are we getting any rounds of golf in this fall and winter? Like what's what's the game? What's the handicap at? No, the, the the golf game has been shelved. Actually, early on though, it, it, we we got her going a little bit. Um, okay, it's funny, uh, you know, Portland and, and training camp. You're you're usually at the rink all the time, and you're you're on the ice for six hours because you have hundred hundred players there. And in Vancouver, I quickly learned that uh, in training camp, you're there to you're there for about an hour, and then you're on the golf course right after. <laughs> so there's a lot of time for that, but. Uh, you know, we it's too bad we, we had a little bit of a hiccup last night in Denver because I think the staff was looking forward to playing golf here in Vegas today. Uh, so, yeah, you got to uh, hold that against the players, that. man. Say, hey, we need a better effort I from know. you guys so I can get around and golfing. Oh, don't don't kid yourself. The players are looking forward to that, too. <laughs> <laughs> they want to get out uh, to it. The, the other part about it, too, is uh, the rain in Vancouver might succeed the rain in Portland. Ooh. So I, in, in a weird, twisted way, I don't know if I'm used to this rain, and I, I hate to say it that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I mean, you move from Portland, you kind of think eventually you'll find a drier city, but uh, you're saying uh, not quite the case. Now, I, I got to ask, man, I'm curious, and this is going to be like picking your favorite kid, so I'm imagining it's it's going to be very difficult – but I got to ask, because I've always been curious, I mean, you, you were in Portland for 15 years, and your role grew while you were here, and you just think of all the great teams that you were a part of that you helped coach, and the year that you and Travis had, obviously, going to the Memorial Cup, just memories that I know Hawk fans will never forget. Of, of all the guys that you saw come through at that level, who, who was, was there one that stood out the most to you that you coached that just kind of from the first second they stepped on the ice, you just your jaw just dropped and said, oh my God, the, the, the talent is just oozing here. Uh, you know, Derek, I've been asked that a couple times and I, I know where you're going with this and I just don't know if I could pinpoint it, not yeah. because I wouldn't give you an answer, but there's just been so many of them. Um, yeah, there's, yeah, there's been great examples of Derek Pouliot being the first overall pick in the draft and have having one of the best junior careers anyone's ever had 
to a guy like Ryan Johansson, who's picked in the sixth or seventh round of the Bantam, Bantam draft, and now he's, you know, NHL all-star. And then, right. and then you've got stories like, you know, one of the best stories is probably a guy like John Ludwig, who was never drafted, never listed on a team, and came to Portland on just basically a little bit of a tryout. And uh, his growth as a kid, his growth as a hockey player, Never would have thought at all that uh, in his last year in Portland he'd be running our power play, scoring 20 goals, <laughs> right. and now he's signing an NHL contract. He, and he'll play games for sure this year yeah. uh, when he's healthy. There's just there's just been so many of them. You, you just can't pinpoint it. But um, as we talked about earlier, I think it's it's just the connections. And you know, don't kid yourself; those guys those guys hold Portland very fondly. And um, you know, it's it when you when you meet them, when you see them uh, five, ten, fifteen years after their experience in Portland, there's always something to talk about. That's for sure. Yeah, it makes it worth it. I'm sure for your time as a coach, all the hours you put in, seeing the success at the next level, even if it's not in hockey, just seeing guys go on, um, be successful. It's a great thing about Portland and what they've done over the years. Well, buddy, I I can't thank you enough, man. I know you're busy. You're running around city to city. You don't got a lot of downtime with the Canucks. Uh, and again, congratulations. I know I ran into you at the at the logo reveal and told you, but congratulations on the new. Job. It's so fun to see, and uh, eventually, I know things will settle down. We'll get back into summer months. You'll be back in Portland, and, and we'll get back on the golf course. Okay? Yeah, dude, I appreciate it. Let's do that, 100. percent All right, thanks again to Kyle for hopping on the podcast, and I love that that story. Growing up in Portland, growing up going to games, the background in hockey, working his way up through the organization for nearly 20 years, and now coaching on the NHL. It's an awesome story. From Kyle Gustafson, let's go to Nick Merrick, the play-by-play voice of the Portland Winterhawks, and there is a whole bunch we got to break down, man. A ton has happened in the last two weeks. Jaden DeRose back. Trades have happened. A road trip is going on. We got an 11-game home stretch coming up. I try to encapsulate all of it into this conversation with Nick Merrick. All right, as always on the Winterhawks podcast, in episode three, we talked to Nick Merrick, the play-by-play voice. Portland's still in the mix of their long trip, which is kind of weird because they're on the road, then they come home, now they're back on the road again without getting to play a home game in the meantime, but uh, back on the road in Seattle. Nick Merrick, the play-by-play voice. Nick, how how has the first road trip of the year gone so far, man? You know what? The first road trip was great for the Hawks. I think it was a really good bonding experience. The team uh, certainly came together just for having the extra extended days on the road. They had a little nice day at the ranch. Uh, thanks to the Ludwig family for inviting us up there. Uh, that's a whole different story within itself, it seems. Uh, but then, you know, when it, when it came down to games, there was uh, it was a mixture of a, a couple different Winterhawks teams that showed up. Obviously, the Kamloops Blazers are, are a terrific uh, program. They're ranked third right now in the entire CHL, uh, and they got the best of the Hawks. It was, it was a tough tough loss to take to start that Canadian road trip, uh, but then Portland rebounded really well. thought they had great games on both Friday and Saturday night against Kelowna and Vancouver, respectively. Uh, and honestly, even though the, the team only got one win in those two games, uh, I thought they played maybe their best hockey of the season in the loss. They just ran into a really hot NHL drafted goaltender. Um, so there's a lot of positives to come back. I know we're going to be talking about it here in a moment here, Andy, but uh, of course, one of those big positives was getting Jaden throw back to the lineup and, and his presence as both a leader on the ice and uh, just his, you know, his poise with the puck and uh, how he's able to create so many offensive chances for himself and his line mates. Uh, it was, it was really prevalent uh, during that road trip. And now of course the team made it smoothly across the border. They were back home. It was a weird schedule because there was other events going on at the Coliseum this week. So they were practicing all week at skating center um, so it's a little hard to find a home during yeah. these fall months, uh, but thus back on the road and, and back within the division and now taking on two more good quality teams who 
Uh, of course, Seattle just ahead of the Hawks in the standings right now, so a lot on the line this weekend. Yeah, big test against Seattle. I, I, I saw last they've won seven in a row, so they're playing great hockey right now, so it'll be a tough challenge uh, back in the U.S. division, and then we'll get to that home stretch that's coming up. It, it's going to be a welcome sight for these guys to be playing in front of their own fans and sleeping in their own bed, I'm sure, every night. I do need to get to DeRoe's a big story. The NHL's a big story. We, we need to get to a couple things that I saw on social media. So first off, I see a, a, a giant bonfire team bonding activity, which I just love because we talked on the last episode how Mike Johnson loves to use these as kind of a way to bring the group together and you pointed out he loves having these trips early in the year and then I see a video of a bunch of guys chasing cows around a barn so I need like what's going on there and then just the team bonding angle of it how was that you know what's funny that that was the day I was actually traveling up myself I had a wedding to attend so I'm getting all this information from hearsay so let me let me first start with that but okay I'm trying to put the piece together by talking with all these players and uh, essentially the guys were told, Hey, we're going to do this thing on the ranch. You know, the guys didn't know what they were doing, but essentially the coach said, Hey, dress up, just come in your, you know, come in something uh, uh, warm. Uh, we're going to be at the ranch late at night. We're going to have a bonfire and we're going to do some other activities. So of course the, the teams are thinking, great, let's go have some fun. Uh, little did they know they came into some cattle herding type of events. Um, <laughs> and uh, that, that led us to a couple of the videos and pictures you probably saw on social media and, uh, poor, poor Luke Shelter in his uh, first year got put on blast a little bit there for, he, did. Uh, he took, he took quite the hit from the cattle, but it, it was funny. Like everyone was obviously in good spirits. Um, you know, even the behind the scenes story too on that, it was, it was, uh, ironic because before the game on Wednesday, uh, I was hearing chatter that, that Luke, uh, kind of picked up a very, very minor injury in practice. Obviously it didn't oh, keep no. him out of games, but of course the coaches were kind of laughing and thinking, Oh boy, how are we going to, how are you going to cover this one up? If, uh, if he's injured, everyone's going to look back at this clip of him getting run over by a bull and, and thinking, yeah, that's where the injury came from. Uh, but that wasn't obviously the case. So I know there was a lot of laughs shared. There were some good inside jokes shared from the team on those trips. And that's really what this, uh, you know, what the travel schedule is all about. It's getting closer, and that's what they were able to do on the ranch. Uh, shared some nice stories and bonfires and, um, you know, just kind of got to break away from the ice and, and get away from the norm a little bit. Because you even look back at last year, Teams love to golf. You know, that's one of the biggest sports for hockey players. They like mm-hmm. to go out and golf together. They like to go, you know, just walk around the mall, walk around downtown, um, kind of just go explore new areas in Portland. They couldn't do that as much during the COVID-19 season. So now the fact they're able to kind of intermingle once again and, and, and get those interactions, it's something that the team doesn't take for granted. Um, so I think that was kind of a fun experience for them to, to launch off uh, a good road trip. It was so fun to watch the videos. I, I, you know, we always see the injury listing for players like upper body, lower body injury when a guy's out. I just, I, I hope that they, they would, they would have at least stayed true if he was out, you know, in the, in the, the injury reasoning, say cattle injury, you know, or ran over or something in a barn or something. That would have been great listening to the reasoning. It's great to know that he's healthy uh, back playing. Those, those videos were so fun to watch. You, you pointed to, I mean, easily the biggest news, you know, since the last time we talked, getting Jaden to back. He appeared in those couple games in the AHL. He gets reassigned, a guy that led them in scoring last year. Uh, you pointed out just the impact he can make on the offensive end, and that's kind of the weird part of Portland's slow start. And it's important to remind people, not a full, comp- you know, complete roster yet, but here he comes, you know, an assist in his first game. He had eight shots on goal in that game in Vancouver. Uh, but just from your vantage point, how, how much is that going to help him? I know it's kind of an obvious statement. Hey, this guy, you know, he's got like 130 points in 150 career games. But just the big impact he's going to make on the offensive end, getting a 20-year-old back, I'm sure that was, you know, music to the ears of Mike Johnston. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, from a junior team perspective, from the Winterhawks side, you love getting a caliber player back like that because he can help you compete for a division title and then hopefully some championships down the line if, if all the pieces come together. Um, so getting him back was, was a needed uh, breath of fresh air. 
I mean, instantly the second he stepped foot on the ice, he was, uh, you know, a leader. He's a guy that leads by example, and he's able just to create some havoc in the defensive side for opponents. So uh, that was seen right off the bat, and it's tough because I think he had a 17- or 18-hour travel day just to get there from wow. – uh, when talking with him, went from Syracuse to Philly to Toronto to Calgary to Kamloops uh, was, was his travel schedule. So five legs to get there, which is pretty impressive. Uh, didn't play, of course, on that Wednesday game because uh, just natural of not skating the day before and then having a, uh, a long travel day the next. So a couple of days out skating, they wanted to get him on the ice first. He did that and then looked very good in his first two games of the season. Uh, but for, for Darrell, it's good, too, because he's come back with a very positive energy. Uh, you know, of, of course, when you shake off the, uh, the jet lag of the travel, that mm-hmm. is. Um, but, but he's ready to kind of come back. He's proven almost everything he could in, the, in this level. Uh, that's why he's a star for us with the Hawks. But it's one of those now where you could fine-tune some things in the defensive side. You can make sure you could take that next jump offensively. And you keep playing more minutes. So when you play more minutes, you're going to get better condition. You're going to get uh, more situations on the ice. And you have a different line mates now you're playing with, too. So all that's going to play for his benefit in terms of uh, looking to make the full-time jump to professional hockey last year. And then, of course, you can't deny the fact that he was playing two months in Syracuse with the professional hockey team, one step below the NHL, and he got in his first NHL preseason game. So he has yeah. all the added experience coming back. He's got a bright head in his, on his shoulder. He'll be set for the future. Uh, but, it, it, you know, of course, you want to see him stick in pros, but this is what you and I were talking about. When you get that trickle-down effect and some of these players do come back to Portland, it's, it's going to benefit the team immediately. Uh, and there are still some positives those players can take to make sure they can make the, the leap next year and put them in the best situation for them to have a successful hockey career. So, uh, it, you know, it's great to get them back. Obviously, there's a few more dominoes that I'm sure the winter Hawks at this point, now that you get one, you <laughs> yeah, want to get greedy, you want, right. them, you want them all back because uh, you can kind of sense a championship when you get one of those guys back. Um, but this roster's, you know, you said it earlier, Andy, it's not, finalized by any means yet there's still going to be some moves happening and of course the trade deadline uh doesn't occur until february so plenty of time for the roster to situate itself out uh but now you're you're keeping an eye on reese newkirk who's still obviously at bridgeport seth jarvis has been doing unbelievable stuff in the nhl mm-hmm. and uh you know it does seem more and more every day like he's he's ready for the nhl leap but obviously it depends on how the team and and uh, gm wants to kind of balance losing that year because uh, the big thing there is if you keep Seth Jarvis as a 19-year-old, obviously it's going to benefit that NHL team, one would hope, because they're keeping him. Uh, but then rather than becoming a free agent when the kid's 25, it's now going to be when he's 24. So you lose an extra year of kind of play on a free agency contract, which of course is key because once these players get out of their first three-year entry-level contracts, that's where the big money starts coming in for superstars like Seth Jarvis. Yep. Um, so now it's kind of now it becomes the financial aspect of how the team wants to play it out and uh, you know, whether they're going to be in a good position when he becomes a free agent to be able to pay him and will, you know, will it hurt your longevity of a team. So it's really interesting, all the analytics that can go behind it too, more so than, Hey, are you playing well? Are you doing well here? Do you need more time in juniors? It also becomes, can we afford, let's say in the year 2026 to have to kind of work this salary cap around? Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously I love seeing what Seth Jarvis is doing too, but uh, DeRoe's back. Newkirk, we'll, we'll find out he's doing uh, his thing in Bridgeport. And then obviously Seth Jarvis has caught so much attention 
uh, with the Carolina Hurricanes, that that one's still very much up in the air as well. Yeah, waiting to see if the other two dominoes will fall, you point out. It's been fun to watch Jarvis uh, scoring his first goal, the family interviews, just living out that lifelong dream. I did want to touch on something. So DeRoe comes back, and then a trade goes down because you're obviously limited in the number of 20-year-olds that you can have on your roster. So I wanted you to touch on two things that, you know, maybe for some of the newer listeners or people that are discovering hockey or just following this team or, you know, stumbling across this podcast somehow, maybe if you're not familiar with the rules, the limits on the 20-year-olds and why that forced Portland to make a trade after DeRoe came back. And then you point to, I think, you know, if you're a baseball fan, you're used to what Jarvis is going through with the the service time in baseball where teams kind of wait, you know, when do you call up a guy and uh, do you want to use that rookie season because then their free agency kicks in, as you're pointing out, a a season earlier. So what is the limitation on the number of games that Seth Jarvis can play uh, and and just kind of that game of how many games are you going to play him before you have to make the decision whether or not you can send him back? Well, let's start first with the Cade Nolan information. Uh, I mean, in terms of the three 20-year-olds, it's exactly that. The league has a, a requirement that all teams have to have three 20-year-olds on their roster, which for this year would be 2001 birth-year players. Uh, you know, and, and no more than that. You could have fewer, of course, but you can't go over sure. your three max. Um, it just, and of course, this league is a development league for both pushing players onto professional ranks of hockey and also into the college side as well. Uh, where, where a handful of players will go play Canadian youth sports hockey or, or they'll take advantage and go get a full-ride scholarship to a university in the States and, of course, not be able to play hockey at that level. Um, but, you know, from a Mike Johnson-led team, here's one thing I want fans to know. He doesn't trade players. He acquires players, but he'll never trade his own players. It's very rare that happens. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the Winterhawks roster, of the 24 players who are on roster – every single one of them is a Portland product. They were either drafted by Portland or when they were younger as a 15-year-old, they were listed by Portland, which essentially means they added them to their protected list uh, in the Western Hockey League. So if they played in the Western Hockey League, they could only come and play for Portland. So everyone's homegrown. There's no exterior trades, um, which, is, which says something because it shows that the Winterhawks are very good at locating talent and building within. Now, off this note, of course, this is why it stings in, in this world when you get these trades of, of moving a Cade Nolan because Nolan was one of those homegrown products. He was with Portland uh, since he was drafted. He was a fourth-round pick uh, back then. The Winterhawks essentially flipped him for a fourth-round pick in a, in a few years down. So, uh, I mean, in terms of value perspective, you're getting the same value back, right? Uh, but, but obviously it's more than that, too, because Cade Nolan has kind of grown as a leader through this team. Um, and now, you know, uh, from my side and from the Winterhawks' side, you're going to be cheering for him in Lethbridge mm-hmm. um, with that trade. But you had to make a move with the 20-year-old in row coming back. One had to go, so the next three up would have either been Clay Hawness Jonas Bromberg, or as we found out, it was Cade Nolan, um, all of which, of course, were defensemen as well. So you're adding a forward, taking away a defenseman, which does give benefit to the team because there were times where the Hawks were playing two defensemen at forward um, just because that's how the roster was was made up early on. So uh, I think there's going to be some more moves coming just to kind of offset that a little bit uh, down the road. But that's first and foremost how the uh, 20-year-old situation goes, and, and nothing but love for Cade Nolan. He's a tremendous player, tremendous leader, um, really good head on his shoulders. I think he's going to do just tremendously, uh, you know, whether or not he decides to go the hockey route or if he wants to switch and just maximize the education route from the Western Hockey League. Right. Uh, but, but wishing him wishing him the best and love working with him. Uh, now, from the Seth Jarvis side, as I keep rambling on here, uh, Jarvis is, is in that nine-game trial. That's kind of that um, assignment time you're going to look at of, Teams get nine free games with them before they have to burn a contract year. So I think he's already played three. 
three or four um, at this point. So he'll have a chance to, you know, kind of play a couple more. There's still some time. World juniors are lingering. Uh, the you know Canadian camp will come up probably in about a month from us talking right now, uh, where he'll be sent to, you know, to, to start training for world juniors. Seth Jarvis is going to be a top line player for team Canada, which is going to be very exciting to be able to cheer him on at the international stages as well again, because Team USA got gold medal last year. I'm sure the Canadians are, are trying to build up a roster to compete with them this year. Um, and now it's just kind of uh, keeping an eye on things and seeing what happens down the wire. And, you know, it's almost like that one day in front of the next, because you're, you're sitting here and that Jaden Duro news came out of nowhere. I believe it was a, a Monday morning where the conversations <laughs> went down, and then all of a sudden he's, he's booked on a, on a flight Tuesday to come out from, you know, uh, northeast in the states to all the way west in Canada. So it's pretty crazy how fast these things develop, and, and that's kind of what it could happen if if a Seth Jarvis or if a Reese Newkirk or if somebody else were to come back like that. Yeah, just it's amazing. You just get that announcement, and all right, here we go. We got we got Jaden Rowe back. Let's go and yeah. we'll see if it comes with you know Newkirk and Jarvis. But as you mentioned, I think four was my last count. He's played four games, so he's got five more to go there in that trial run, and we'll see the decision. I, I know they'd love to have him, and the fans would love to have him back. We'll get to that home stretch in a moment. You know, I did just want to ask you. You know, you, you look at the U.S. division. Seattle is playing great. I think that statement win for Portland to start the trip up in Everett, you know, down 3 nothing in the first period, coming back, finding a way to tie it at the end of the third, and then winning it in a shootout. That was a huge win for them, especially considering the, the struggles that they had had against Everett. But, you know, you've watched this team closer than anybody, and we talk a lot about how the roster is going to evolve, and we've already seen that since the last episode. What have you seen, though, watching them up close about, you know, areas that you've already seen improve, and then maybe things that you know that they're working on, um, kind of the, the, the deep dive into parts of their game and practice, saying that this is the this is the category that we need to be better in i think the power play's gotten better that's always been a staple for the hawks as good special teams play uh that stood out again over the weekend thought they had some good shifts there on the man advantage offense uh you know obviously coming around that that's got to be the number one focus for a portland team uh this is a winterhawks team that can easily score six seven eight goals in the past uh and right now they're kind of been stuck at around four so but the fact that now they're they're kind of consistently getting four goals is uh you know a big improvement from earlier in the season when they just kind of seem to get snake bitten from putting the puck in the net. Uh, of course, you got to take the outlier out too with uh, you know the game in, in Vancouver uh, where you run into a hot goaltender. And honestly, in that game, right. I know they lost to Vancouver three to one. It looked like the Hawks could have won that game six to three. That's how good they were playing. Um, you know, they, they were just they they just got snake bitten a little bit in tight, and sometimes the bounce don't go their way. But that's okay. That's the first game this season where I truly think that the Hawks probably deserved to win the game, but they didn't. Um, so that's, you know, that in itself is kind of a step in the positive direction because the team gains confidence off that. You score, you gain some confidence. Um, defensively, I think there's some things to clean up a little bit. Um, you know, I thought it was interesting how, how the coaching staff played the goaltenders over the weekend where uh, Januzzi got two starts, Gordon got one start, but then Gordon had to come in for another. So kind of a split time and net between Januzzi and Gordon. Um, so I, I wonder if that's going to be something that we can keep an eye on, you know, moving mm-hmm. forward this month. And, and when the fans get to come back to the VMC, um, kind of everyone always loves, uh, uh, everyone always looks at the goaltenders as a big leader. And those two guys are very good leaders in, in that department. So uh, there could be some shakeup there, uh, you know, just in terms of what we've seen in the past, where I think Dante is still for sure the number one, but Gordon's earning his time, um, which is, which has been good to see too of, of a, rookie in the WHL kind of step up and, and be able to fill that void right away as the Hawks, you know, basically have to go back a couple seasons ago until you had a, a really quality one-two duo. And that's right. seemingly what the Hawks could have right now if, if everything clicks uh, moving forward. 
And then I think overall it's just kind of uh, just coming together and, and the focus is going to be playing a full game. It sounds silly. I know the teams have wanted to kind of minimize some penalties. Uh, they did that during a couple of the games there on the Canadian trip. So that was a good step in the right direction. It wasn't as good to start it, but it ended better. Um, you know, so it's not a complete Winter Hawks team yet. There's still some work to do. Everyone's aware of that. I know the fans are probably very much aware of that too. Uh, but you know, it's it's not a lost cause. It's everyone's trending in the right direction. There's some good progress being made, um, and now it's going to be exciting because you keep in mind the Hawks had a couple of home games early in the year. But when you have 11 straight home games, that could really flip the script for a team. You could win, let's say, even eight of those 11. Um, all of a sudden, momentum heavily goes your favor. You're you're cruising into the holiday season. Team gets a nice break. They're all happy. They're back home visiting family for about you know six or seven days, and then it's back to business. And and then you're you're kind of right back in contention. So these long home stretches can certainly benefit you. Um, and I think that's what the Hawks are trying to do this weekend in particular against Seattle and Tri City is try to get a little momentum going into their homestand because once the team steps off the bus on. November 13th, well, I guess no, November 14th, let's say at 3 a.m. in the morning, uh, they will not have to step back on the bus until December 17th. So you get a full month of Winterhawks hockey at home, and that's where the, the team can kind of really gel. Man, that's going to be so fun. I know the fans are excited. You go a long stretch. I mean, it's been a while since I've had an opportunity to see him play at the Coliseum. They got that stretch, you know, the, those two games in Seattle and Tri-City this weekend, and then 11 straight. And there's some, I mean, it's not just 11 straight home games. you got some fun events going on. There's a Teddy Bear, Teddy Bear Toss game coming up. Like, it's, it's going to be an eventful 11 home games. No, you're exactly right. I mean, the, the, the fun, the excitement that's going to happen over these next two, four weeks, essentially, is going to be monumental. You're going to have uh, some great theme nights. Hawks fight cancer nights coming up on uh, this, this coming Friday. So the Winterhawks are, are joining up with the efforts of Fred Meyer to try to help end hunger in the Portland area through their initiatives and uh, donating non-perishables, thanks to our wonderful Hawks fans, uh, to the Oregon Food Bank. Uh, so last year, the Hawks were able to raise over 1,100 meals. Um, this year, obviously, we're trying to we're trying to match that, if not go above and beyond that number. So uh, that's all, you know, thanks to our terrific fans of bringing those non-perishable food items to the game. Uh, then, of course, the Hawks fight cancer game is going to be back. That falls on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, a lot of fundraising there for for local cancer organizations and and uh, nonprofits um, in the greater Portland area. Always, always, a you know, a great night from the standpoint of being able to give back. But uh, of course, it, it kind of brings you back to earth of how many, uh, you know, you realize life comes and hits you fast, and yeah. uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of fighting going on in this world. So it's a, um, you know, it's a tough night, but it's it's a it's always a good night uh, for the Hawks. And then you have Thanksgiving, you get your nice turkey feast. The next day you come out, you got a daylight game, so that's always fun because you get the curtains raised and. Uh, I love the VMC when the curtains are raised. I think that one's so cool. always my favorite game of the year. I don't know why. It's just a different. It's a different atmosphere. It's a different environment. Um, you don't realize it. You know, with the, what, how much black curtains can kind of take away from an experience of a game day. But it, it really, it really adds to it. So I love that one. And, and it's an earlier start after Thanksgiving, which I think will be a lot of fun on Black Friday. And then of course, then you have the teddy bird toss. You have the toy drive back in December. Those are always great events. Um, you know, Les Schwab really helps. You know, push us with that to to kind of keep giving back. Uh, uh, locally and helping some kids for the holiday season with the toy drive. We have a brand new Santa con that's going to come out in the last home game before uh, the holiday season. So we'll, we'll tease that one in a future, uh, a future podcast episode with you, Andy, but there's so much happening. It's crazy. You're, you're going to look at every single game. And there's going to be something happening every single month. Uh, not to mention the families are, of the players are going to come into town next weekend. So uh 
nonstop busyness, but all in a good sense. Um, and I think that's what's really going to be exciting about this next month for Hawks fans is they're going to come, they're going to see a team that's now on the rise, and they're going to see some really good fun in the, in the uh, arena and be able to kind of engage as well back with the Portland community, which is what this is all about. It's about Winter Hawks and connecting with a fan base and connecting with the community and, and yeah. being able to, to help and do at least a little part. So uh, certainly a great 11-game stretch ahead. I can't wait, man. I'm with you 100% on the Daylight Game, too. For those fans who have not had a chance to go to one of those, they are so. it feels like you're at an outdoor classic you know, that the NHL does. It does. And you're not outside, obviously, so it helps Heck, with this weather right now, I don't know if you'd want to be outside, but it just, you know, it, it's just fun. It's just such a, you know, the players come out in the eye black. It's just, it's such a cool experience to be there and uh, to have a, it's just weird. Like, having, you're used to like baseball games being in the middle of the day, but having a hockey game in the middle of the day, uh, it's really fun and, and just great events going on. It's so cool. Uh, all the big impacts that they're going to make in the community over the coming weeks and really exciting time for Portland Winterhawk fans. We'll get home safely from Tri City and then enjoy sleeping in your own bed for an extended period of time. I'm sure it's going to be a welcome sight for you welcome sight for the team and thanks as always buddy we'll catch up again next time that sounds great i uh looking forward to, to seeing you again this now we're finally home for a change yes. and uh let, let's get the hawks some wins and let's have some fun at the arena because honestly these guys really do feed off the energy that you fans bring so uh, i'm just looking forward to having the the home environment back for once rather than being on this road and, and, and trying to to fight with the home fan or the you know the visiting fans all the time <laughs> All right, our thanks again to play-by-play voice Nick Merrick. Great stuff from him. Great stuff from Kyle Gustafson. Can't thank those guys enough for hopping on the pod this week. Uh, there is a ton upcoming for Portland, as we just highlighted with Nick. 11 straight home games. So they're in Seattle tonight, at Tri-City tomorrow, and then that home schedule kicks in 11 straight. They're going to be at home for a long time. Great opportunities for fans uh, to go see the team, a team that is going to be improving, a team that has Jaden DeRoe back. Really exciting, fun events that are going down, uh, including the first television game of the year, which will be on uh, December 11th, Teddy Bear Toss Night against Spokane. So really fun stuff coming up. The entire schedule, and for tickets, just go to winterhawks.com. And I want to close today with something new that we're going to try and twist in. So we're going to start doing some player features. It's been hard to do as a podcast, so I went on my honeymoon. I was out of town in Hawaii for a week, and then at the same time, right when I get back, the Hawks are on this long road trip, and so they're out of town. They finally get back, and they're going to be settled in next week for a long time. So I'm going to be heading over to the VMC uh, and doing some player spotlights, and we want to hear from you. We're thinking about Jaden DeRoe maybe next week, but if there's a certain player you want to spotlight on in, a, in an interview on here on the podcast, you just got to let us know. You can tweet at the PDX Winterhawks, at 1080 The Fan, uh, at Nicholas Merrick, at Theodore Johnson, any of us. Uh, shout us out. Let us know who you want to hear from on the podcast. And also going to tie something new in with Nick next week uh, as we do another pod is on episode four. I want a Q&A, and, and I want listeners to be able to ask him any questions you might have about the team, the way they're playing, event schedule, whatever is coming to your mind uh, that you want to talk about here on the podcast. Just feel free to send us tweets again at the PDX Winterhawks, at 1080 The Fan, at Theodore Johnson, at Nicholas Merrick, uh, any of them. I'm going to send one out, and if you see it out there, uh, feel free. Chime in, send a question in. We'll make sure to answer them. Start a little bit of a, a mailbag, if you will, on the podcast next week. So a couple of fun twists, and I'm excited for those player features. One of the, the core tenets of this was to give you an opportunity to get to know these players a little bit more uh, behind the scenes, and that will begin uh, next week on Episode 4. But that will do it for us here on Episode 3. Again, thanks to Kyle Gustafson. Thanks 
Thanks to Nick Merrick for hopping on. Good luck to the Hawks tonight in Seattle and over the weekend uh, in Tri-City. Episode 4 will be dropping next week with a player feature, so keep an eye out for that. Thank you so much for tuning in to Episode 3. Until next time, go Hawks. You came from his office, said, son, can I help you? Looked at him and said, yes, you can. Yeah, I want to drive the Zamboni. Yeah, I want to drive the Zamboni. Yes, I do. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.